Please turn in your Bibles to 1 John chapter 3. We're going to continue looking at verse 1. Yes, we're still in verse 1 and the first part of verse 1 because it's such a powerful statement when the Apostle John writes and says, Behold, what manner of love the Father has bestowed on us that we should be called children of God. There's an exclamation mark after it. Amen. Because it is such a powerful thing. Now, we've looked at how you become a child of God, so we're not going to look at all that again. We also looked at what it means to be a child of God. That we, in Colossians 1.16, the Apostle Paul writing there says, For all things are created by Him and for Him. And because we found out in Romans chapter 8 and verse 17, that if we are children, that we are heirs of God, then we are heirs of everything that was created. Amen? If everything was created by him and for him, then everything was created by him for us. Hallelujah. So the way we approach things is different. And I gave you that revelation before that don't ever go into a fight with, you know, you against something else. You need to go into that understanding that that thing belongs to you. And it's being naughty, <laughs> you know, and it needs to behave itself. And that's how Jesus dealt with everything. Whenever you look at the way he deals with things, whether it's fig trees or, you know, storms, he always deals with it as something that belongs to him and that was not doing the right thing. Are you all with me? Amen. So if you deal with it that way, then you find there's less fight in that because you're not trying to make something that is separate from you do something. You are, you are literally commanding something that belongs to you to behave. Amen. And do the right thing. Can you see a difference there? Amen? Amen. All right. Hallelujah. Further to this, we also found out and we looked at Psalm 24 and verse 1, and this is where we jumped off last time, where it says, the earth is the Lord's and all its fullness. Now, if the earth is the Lord's and all, and all its fullness, then the earth is yours because you're an heir of God. Are you getting this? Amen? And it says, the world and those who dwell therein. So we started looking at that last time or time before, and we saw that there are things that we can do since the world now belongs to us in a sense. Now, we don't have um, uh, authority over people's wills, of course, okay, but we can help people. You know, it's like having a family, even though maybe sometimes kids might be a little bit rebellious, we still feed them, we still love them, we still look after them. We do what we can, amen? Um, and that's really what, even in a world that is in rebellion toward God, we can still bless them and turn them to God. And that's really what we should be doing. How do we do that without violating their will? So we started talking about that, and we looked at several different things. We looked at the fact that we can teach them without violating their will, and it's up to them whether they receive that teaching or not. Amen? And we can heal. Now that's a little bit more complicated because people's wills are involved and what they think about how God can work in their life. That's a thing, okay? But again, remember Jairus' daughter, and you know, Jesus got rid of all, you know, all the people there because he was taking into account Jairus. We also looked at feeding people, you know, or I put it into this category. We can also meet people's needs, amen, as, as, as the Lord directs. And so remember Jesus fed the 5,000, and it was 5,000 men. They estimate about 12,000 people. Now, I don't think anybody didn't want that, <laughs> okay? So you can do that without violating people's wills as well, amen? So we were looking at so many different things. Uh, that we could do in that way. But when we got to the place where we started looking at what can we, you know, what else can we do? And we got to the place where uh, in Matthew chapter 12, which I said I wanted to leave for this week because it deals with the subject that 
Uh, I guess a lot of us are just a bit squeamish with, if we want to be, you know, truthful about it, okay. I mean, you see a demon and usually you run the other way. When it says that the demon should be running from you, we generally run from them. You know, we'd like to cross the road. Can I get an amen on that? <laughs> I'm just being honest with you. <clears throat> so what I want to do is deal with that very quickly now because, you know, there's not only demon possession, there's de demonic oppression as well. The different difference between possession and oppression um, is this. Possession is when something possesses somebody and they don't have any more will. You now know that that's why these things are not of God. Do you understand? Because God always makes your will sovereign. However, possession doesn't take place until there is an oppression, until a person has allowed themselves to be drawn into that to, a, to such a degree that then the demonic influence over them takes them over. Do you understand what I'm saying? Okay. Um, I don't have time to discuss that in detail, but that's kind of the process. And just take my word for it, please. All right. So what we want to do is stop it at the, the place of oppression. However, I want to look at some verses that deal with what happens when somebody is totally possessed. Okay? What happens when they don't have a will anymore? What can we do? Well, Jesus dealt with this situation. It says in Matthew chapter 12 and verse 22, remember again, we are dealing with things that don't violate people's will. So here's a place where a person does not have, no longer in a sense has a will. So you can, you can be very strong in the way you deal with that. Do you hear what I'm trying to say? Amen? All right, so <clears throat> Matthew 12, verse 22. Then one was brought to him who was demon-possessed. Watch, it says blind and mute. So he couldn't, you know, he couldn't see and he couldn't speak. You know, it's very interesting. Somebody said, what happens to people that can't speak? You know, how did they receive Jesus as Lord? <clears throat> However they can. You know, <laughs> that's why I said, you know, thank God for Romans 10, 9, which says, if you believe in your heart. The confession is an outward thing, but God looks in the heart. He knows where your heart is. And that's why so many people don't realize that God is more interested on the inside than on the outside. Not how you behave, but who you are. Amen? Anyway. So, then one was brought to him who was demon-possessed, blind and mute, and... Watch how he just, it doesn't have any more explanation than he healed him. He just healed him. That was the end of it. <laughs> okay. Once again, understand the reason that he was able to just heal him was because this thing had gone one step too far and taken over this person to such a degree that you know this person wanted to be delivered. Amen. Okay. Let me just talk to you about this one, one second. That's the difference between somebody that is in this position and somebody who might, you know, you look and say their life isn't right and they're, you know, they're doing things that they're not happy with. And that's an oppressiveness. And sometimes people sort of don't want to give up some things, so to speak. You know what I mean? And that's when it becomes difficult. But when a person is in this state, you know that you have basically all authority to lose them. Are you with me? Amen? All right. I'll give you some scriptures that will help you out with this as well. And it says, so that the blind, the blind and mute man both spoke and saw. Boy, that was an awesome. Wouldn't that have been an awesome place to just give glory to God? But let's read on. <laughs> okay? And all the multitude were amazed and said, could this be the son of David? So they were really happy. However, the Pharisees are not happy. Verse 24. Now, when the Pharisees heard it, they said, oh, wow, that poor man finally got healed. We tried. We couldn't. Somebody got him healed. Hallelujah is not what they said. 
Look at what they said. When the Pharisees heard it, they said, This fellow does not cast demons except by Beelzebub, the ruler of demons. Wow, can you believe this? I mean, this is how, when people say things like this, then you realize where they're coming from. But Jesus knew their thoughts and said to them, Every kingdom divided against itself is brought to desolation. Every city or house divided against itself will not stand. Now, I want you to notice, he's saying there, there is, this is a rule and a principle that applies even in our life. So let me talk to you for a moment about you. Be careful that you are not divided in yourself, okay, about how you believe and how you don't believe. Because we're going to see in a moment that Jesus says, if you have faith as a grain of mustard seed, you can speak to mountains and they'll move. So what is the problem? Is it our faith? Maybe not. Maybe the problem, and remember faith comes by hearing. If you, if you feel like you don't have enough faith, go listen to the word, you'll get it. Okay? All right. If you, but if you, don't, if you don't believe that your faith is a problem and thinking, what's a problem? Maybe it's something else. Maybe you are divided within yourself. Maybe as much as faith as you have, you also doubt. There's also a question mark. Can I say this to you? Get rid of the question mark. Spend time with God if you need to, and not religious time with God, <laughs> okay? You go to God and say, God, I have a question mark in my heart about this. You need to talk to me. I need a revelation from you about this. Can you just talk to me so that I can remove this? And can I just, I will promise you that he will say something that will remove that question mark. Now all you have is faith. Now you can move forward. Because James said, let not a double-minded person or man think that he can receive anything from the Lord. Amen? If you are double-minded, you are a kingdom divided within itself, and it will not stand. Are you all here? Amen. Okay. I pray that that's a revelation in itself that will help you in the future. In verse 26, now Jesus explains. He says, if Satan casts out Satan, he's divided against himself. How then will his kingdom stand? So he's saying, listen, it's dumb for if you're saying that I'm working with the devil and I'm casting him out, how silly is that? You can't, the kingdom can't stand with people with an internal fight going on. Are you all with me? It will fall. Verse 27. And he says, and if I cast out demons by Beelzebub, by whom, by whom do your sons cast them out? Therefore, they shall be your judges. Now, let me just quickly, I didn't explain this before, but let me just explain this very quickly. See, what used to happen is the sons are also known as disciples, okay, of the Pharisees. They call them sons. Do you understand what I'm saying? <clears throat> so what would happen is some of their disciples would go out there every so often. They'd be able to cast something out. And the Pharisees would, would rejoice with them. They, because they'd say, was that all right? Did I do the right thing? And, you know, because the Pharisees look good. Oh, yes, yes, my disciples cast out a demon. Are you all with me? And so they would take credit for that. And they'd be very happy with that. So what <laughs> Jesus does, he knows this. Remember, he's been around 30 years. Okay? So he knows this is going on. So you know what he does? He, he does something very clever. He says, listen, if you are saying that I cast out demons by, you know, by the prince of demons, then who do your sons cast them out by? He says, let them be your judge. Because now watch, if, if they accept, the sons would be standing there and saying, hang on a second, you told us when we cast them out, it was God. Now you're telling this man, he cast them out and it's not God. Who do you think they're going to agree with? 
Uh, we'll go with Jesus. Because now you're telling us that we are siding with the devil and we sure are not. Can you see that? Amen? It was a very clever thing. All right. And so he says, verse 28, But if I cast out demons by the Spirit of God, surely the kingdom of God has come upon you. In other words, he's saying, listen, man, I am doing this by the Spirit of God. Your sons were doing it by the Spirit of God. They are right. You, what you are doing now is this is just coming out of hatred. This is coming out of envy. And so you start saying dumb things, and this is a dumb thing. Amen? And so he says, verse 29, or how can one enter? Now, this is very, very important. He says, how can one enter a strong man's house and plunder his goods? This is talking, notice it didn't say a good man's house. It said a strong man's house. Do you understand that Jesus is saying, if you want to go into the devil's territory, and if you want to do stuff like this, watch what he says. He says, how can a... a, a uh, how can one enter a strong man's house and plunder his goods unless he first binds the strong man? Then he will plunder his house. Jesus is plundering the house of the devil right now by casting this demon out. Amen? And he's saying, listen, I, I'm not siding with the devil. I'm binding him before I go in and cast this thing out. In Matthew chapter 18 and verse 18, Jesus says, Assuredly, I say to you, whatever you bind on earth is bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth is loosed in heaven. Jesus says, before you go into a strong man's house, bind him. And he says, I'm telling you, you can do that. Amen? So before you go into a fight, you see, one of the things that we do is we try to take on the devil without binding him first. Can I say this? Please bind anything that is coming against you first before you take it on. Before you cast it down and everything else, bind it. Amen? Uh, uh, Sarah does that all the time. You know, when she gets up here to, to minister, she goes, and I bind Satan for me. <laughs> you know, I love her. She just does that. She just binds him. Before she even gets going, she binds him. It's like, okay, before I start, you shut up. <laughs> okay? Now, let's begin. Hallelujah. Amen. And I would suggest you do the same thing as well. Hallelujah. Because sometimes we're fighting battles and we're allowing the devil to just counteract, you know, counteract everything we're doing. If we just shut him down, everything we do now will we'll just continue on and, and fulfill whatever it's meant to fulfill without this thing getting in the way every single time. Amen? All right. I've said here, this is probably one of the most powerful things we have been authorized to do because it can bind the devil and his forces, bring the kingdom of darkness to a grinding halt while at the same time loosing the kingdom of light and paving the way for it to work unhindered without any kind of opposition whatsoever. Amen. <laughs> All right. And just in case we're having some difficulty with this area of deliverance, due to its nature, you know, we're not all jumping out to go and deliver anybody, are we? Okay, all right. <laughs> okay. So to give us a little further insight into this area of ministry, in Matthew chapter 17, we're still in Matthew, when the disciples tried to deliver a demon-possessed boy, that was at the request of his father, by the way, and failed, sadly, it goes in the same verses 18 through 21, and Jesus rebuked the demon, and it came out of him. That was so quick. Again, see, we, we see whenever they write something about Jesus, it isn't like, and Jesus put a, a paper bag over his mouth and got him to cough into it. And the demon would come out in the paper bag. And, okay, these are some of the crazy things people used to do in the past to, to you know, to uh, deliver people. I mean, seriously, I, that was an actual example. Okay, so <laughs> notice none of those things I said. See, you start playing games and the devil will play games with you. And then you become like the sons of Sceva, 
where they'll suddenly turn on you. And the next thing, you're running out in the street all naked with the paparazzi taking pictures. Hello. <laughs> okay? So you don't want that. <clears throat> Whenever you're dealing with something like this, be quick with it. Are you all here? Amen. All right. And so it says, and, you know, verse 18 again, and Jesus rebuked the demon, Matthew 17, 18, and it came out of him, and the child was cured from that very hour, verse 19. Then the disciples came to Jesus privately and said, why could we not cast it out? So they're asking a question now because they failed at this. And so Jesus said to them, because, verse 20, because of your unbelief. Notice it's really interesting what Jesus is about to say next. He says it is your unbelief, but notice he goes on to say, Assuredly, I say to you, if you have faith as a mustard seed, you all know what mustard seed, it's tiny, okay? It's itty bitty. He says, if you had faith as a mustard seed, you will say to this mountain, move from here to there, and it will move, and nothing will be impossible for you. In other words, he said, listen, it's not your faith that is a problem, it's your unbelief that's a problem. Because you can have faith as tiny as a mustard seed, and a mountain will move for you. Isn't this interesting? So he's saying, listen, take care of the unbelief, and the mountain, and the faith then will be free to act, and free to work. Amen? And verse 21, he says, However, this kind does not go out except by prayer and fasting. Now, everybody has been discussing the, uh, you know, what does this kind mean? Does this kind mean devils or does this kind mean something else? There's one camp that preaches and says, you know, this kind of uh, ministry, okay, deliverance ministry, doesn't, doesn't work unless you fast and pray. So we have a whole camp that's out fasting and praying to, to go into this kind of ministry. Another camp says, no, no, no. What Jesus is meaning is that, you remember the whole the thing started with the reason you failed was because of your unbelief. And says the only way that you can get rid of unbelief is through fasting and prayer. Which is right. Uh, both. <laughs> okay? Listen, man. If you fast and you pray, the first thing that will happen, you know what fasting and praying is? Can I just define it for you very quickly? Because when I say fasting, everybody thinks about food, don't they? Uh, come on, everybody be honest now. Okay? That's why nobody wants to fast. Can I uh, redefine that and say to you, fasting means doing without something in favor of talking to God. Did you get that? So if it means that if, if one of the things that you're doing is always watching TV or, you know, always doing, you know, reading newspapers or something else, and you decide, you know what, I'm going to fast my newspaper. I'm going to fast watching TV for the next five hours just to talk to God. You are now fasting and praying. Do you get this? And you, you get that, you know, connection with God. You get the instruction from God. You get a revelation from God. Revelations come with life. They come with strength. They come with power. Hello. Amen. And that's when you become strong in the Lord and the power of his might. Once you get that, the devil will run before you get there. Because he, he can recognize God when he sees him. And God gets so big on the inside of you. You walk in there and you're like this big light. And he goes, I'm in trouble. See you later. Bye. And he, he will do what the devils did in Jesus' time. We know who you are. Oh, you know, the, the, the son of God. Stay away from us. <laughs> you know, okay? Uh, uh, send us to the pigs or something, you know? Have mercy is the way it should go. Not like the silly movies that you see. And I won't make any mention of any titles because then we can't put this on YouTube. Anyway, <laughs> so you all know what I'm talking about, right? Okay. <laughs> Moving on. <clears throat> so you need to understand something here. That as you start to talk to God, two things will happen. Number one, your unbelief 
will disappear. Because you get a word from God, and a word from God will just erase and eradicate all your unbelief. Do you hear me? And number two, you'll be able to cast anything out because it will not be able to stand in the presence of God in you. Amen? Amen. Okay. Now, before you think this isn't for us, <laughs> remember Mark chapter 16. Jesus says, and these signs will follow those who believe. Notice the very first thing. Are you paying attention? And these signs will follow those who believe. What's the first thing he says? In my name, they will cast out demons. You know, I would have left that to the last. <laughs> you know? I would have said, in my name, um, uh, they will heal headaches. You know, because there's not a life-death situation there. You know, they will believe for new socks. You know, they slowly start working. <laughs> you know? and, and the last thing. I, I, me, I would have put, was, oh, by the way, and they, you know, and they will cast out demons. And th that's something you need to get right at the end, boys. Don't try to go casting out a demon before you can believe for socks. But can you see how Jesus put this? He says, and these signs will follow those who believe. And straight out the gate, he says, in my name, they will cast out demons. Wow. Obviously, it's a very important ministry for him to put it first on the list. Amen? And we begin to understand that it's not just possession, but oppression as well. If people are being oppressed, if, if they're being dri driven crazy by thoughts that are coming to them constantly, you know, and they just need a healing, they need a, um, a covering, they need protection, we need to know to pray for that because it is that that leads them to do other things. At the end of the day, something ungodly. Do you understand what I'm trying to say? So if we can stop it at this point, then it will stop. It will save them from a life of misery. Can I just say it that way? Amen? Hallelujah. And anyway, let's continue on. It says, and they will speak with new tongues. They will take up serpents. If they drink any deadly thing, it will by no means hurt them. They will lay hands on the sick and they will recover. Hallelujah. And if that wasn't enough, remember again, Jesus also said in uh, John chapter 14 and verse 12, we all love this verse. He says, most assuredly, I say to you, he who believes in me, the works that I do, he will do also. That's you, she is as well, okay? <laughs> Notice he says, if you believe in him, you will do all of these things. And greater works than these, he or she will do because I go to my father. Isn't that incredible? So as much as Jesus did in del delivering people, uh, you know, from all kinds of de demonic oppression and possession, Jesus says to us, don't try to just become, you know, don't only get to the place where you're doing the things I was doing. You are going to be doing even greater things because he was operating under the old covenant. And we are now in a much better covenant, Hebrews says, with much better promises. Amen? Hallelujah. <clears throat> this was something that was, you know, astonishing even to the disciples. And it actually, and the thing was, they were shocked it actually worked for them. I think, you know, Thomas might have been shocked. You know, the one that Jesus says, you, you go out and you cast a demon. And Tom, I'm sure Thomas would have said to his partner, I doubt that's ever going to happen. <laughs> Hello. Because it was a big thing. Have they ever cast out a demon before? Think about this. You know, they were fishermen and tax collectors and, you know, not the best profession. And, you know, ripping people off. And, and, and the devil is going to listen? Listen to me. They had never done this before. 
And Jesus says, go out there without him. Go out there. In my name, you cast him out. And watch in Luke 10, 17. I want to bring this to your attention as we close because I want you to understand that as surprised as you may be when this verse happens to you, know that you're in good company. The disciples were kind of shocked too. It says in Luke 10 and verse 17, then the 70 returned with joy saying, Lord, even the demons are subject to us in your name. They were like, wow! Normally we see a demon and we run. This time we see a demon and they run. The difference is your name. Hallelujah. Amen? <laughs> Verse 18. And he said to them, and uh, this is very important. Catch this, please. The first thing. You know, it's interesting. He didn't say, isn't that awesome? Because, you know, we would have said something like that. Well done. Watch what he says. He says, and he said to them, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. Do you know what he's doing straight away? He's saying, listen, realize that you are dealing with a fallen individual. You are not fallen. He is fallen. Amen? And he goes on to say, the second thing is verse 19. He says, behold, I give you authority to trample on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy. That's the second thing. So number one, he says you're dealing with the fallen being. Number two, he says, I give you authority. I'm giving you authority to go do this. And number three, praise God for number three, he says, and nothing shall by any means hurt you. Amen. He's saying, so don't be afraid. Amen. So they said, wow, this worked for us. He's saying, this is why it worked. This is why you came back successful and unharmed. Because you dealt with a fallen being, you were given authority, and Nothing by any means can hurt you. So you go right ahead and do this every single time. It will work, is how I'd like to finish it. Okay, so, so these are some of the things that we can do for people without violating their will. Amen. And we can be there to help them and bless them. And again, this is one of the most powerful areas in helping people, especially in that initial stage when the, you know, when the enemy is trying to drive them to do the wrong thing and, and just through oppression. Do you understand? And, you know, they say, please pray for me. And please don't ever have the idea that, oh, gosh, do you need me to pray for you again? Don't ever do that. This is another opportunity for you to come against the devil and just, just plunder his kingdom, as, as Jesus put it. Amen? And do some real damage. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Hallelujah. And they can't hurt you. Praise God. Amen. Did you get that? Can we stop there? We have to stop there because I didn't go any further with the other group. When we come back next time, we're going to look at another benefit of the child of God and go back to Matthew chapter 6 uh, and look at uh, the privileges that we have, the confidence that we have as children, knowing that God is looking after all of our needs. Amen? That's next time. Let's have every head bowed. Every eye closed. Father, we thank you today for your word. We thank you, Father, for this privilege and opportunity of receiving this wisdom, this insight, this understanding that we no longer shy away from, from anything that may seem a little demonic and scary. <laughs> but we thank you, Lord, that we understand we are dealing with a fallen being. We thank you, Father, that you said that you have given us authority to do this. And we also thank you, Father, that you said that we will not be hurt. And we hold you to all of those things. And we thank you that we are not weak people in this earth. But as the children of God, we are the ones with the power. 
We are the ones with the authority. And we are the ones with the responsibility to take care of this planet and its people in that way, without violating their wills. In Jesus' name, everybody said, Amen. Amen. Amen.